Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... So I think yeah. Lily's done such, Lily and um, her co-author Karen Schneeman have done just such an incredible job on the book. I think people are really going to like it. Well done, you. Well done, Lily. <laughs> your editor... has a little bit of talent. <laughs> your, your, your editor's saying good things about you. <laughs> Everything's going great. <laughs> yeah, I could say so many good things about her, though, so well, <laughs> that's mutual. We can, we can do it on and off recording, but I can tell how mutual it is. It's wonderful. From an infographic going viral to a non-fiction picture book series, I freaking love science, folks. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 468. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Lily Williams, the author-illustrator of If Polar Bears Disappeared and If Sharks Disappeared. Lily has a powerful approach to inviting readers to investigate the food chain, our changing climate, and other ways we are affecting our planet, and in turn, our planet is affecting all of us. Joining us also is Emily Feinberg, children's book editor at Running Brook Press. Emily's relation to Lily's work, her hand in forming these books, is something I found especially gratifying. Thank you to our sponsors, Gallery Nucleus and Storyteller Academy, the Highlights Foundation, and Viz Media for helping make today's episode possible. And now please welcome my guests, Lily Williams and Emily Feinberg, the author-illustrator and children's book editor of If Polar Bears Disappeared. Welcome to the podcast. Lily Williams, Emily Feinberg, you're both here. It's really happening. Thank you. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> I'm going to focus, I promise. But it's such a great pleasure to be talking to you and to, uh, more importantly, to get to hear the voices behind the names that I know. Lily, you and I, I was saying before recording, have been sort of talking on and off on email for a while and I really, I really have appreciated not only getting to know your books, but getting to know the person behind the books. And so it's really special for me to get to talk to you on record. But I realize that there's probably people out there that don't know who you are yet. So would you mind introducing yourself to the people listening and um, what books they might know you from? Um, yeah, my name's Lily Williams. I'm from um, California, but I now live in Denver, Colorado. And um, the books you might know me from are If Sharks Disappeared and If Polar Bears Disappeared, 
um, which I wrote and illustrated. And um, Emily, my editor, actually found my work online, which led to a book deal. It was online. Oh, this is going to be yeah. amazing. <laughs> We're going to break this down. Well, um, Emily, you found her. So tell us all about how long you've been stalking Lily's work online, as so many of us do. <laughs> we all, all of us writers at least, or maybe even librarians too, we all just like follow the illustrators. I lurk in, in the illustrator chat on Twitter once a week. <laughs> it's it's just so fun to be around art. But I don't, I'm, you, you're also an editor, Emily, so you might not be just as <laughs> I go to lose myself, but you're able at some point, it sounds like, to find clients. Emily, would you mind introducing yourself to everyone listening? Sure. So uh, I'm Emily Feinberg. I am an editor at Roaring Book Press. Um, and yeah, I can talk, I guess, a little bit about finding Lily's work online. I would <laughs> love that. Going that direction. Um, so it wasn't actually on an illustrator website or anything like that. It was on Facebook because that there's a Facebook group that I haven't seen in a while. They might've shut down, but for a while, um, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm just going to, there's a Facebook group called I love science. <laughs> and they posted, and I followed them because I love science. And they posted uh, an illustration that Lily had done that was sort of a clear delineation of, you know, if what would happen if sharks disappeared? Um, they would eat, you know, or like the seals would overpopulate, and that would um, sort of decimate the fish population. It was just so clear, and it was one sort of piece of art information like a rectangular thing and I was like how like it was perfect for kids um I thought and thought it was so cute like I don't know I always say that like Lily's the only person that can make dead fish look really cute <laughs> like upside down with X's over their eyes well, how did she do that <laughs> no um so yeah I and then I noticed it said Lily Williams in the corner so I looked up um somehow I I I think you had a web, you must've had a website that had a contact and I wrote to her the next day, um, hoping that she would be up for maybe talking about doing a, a picture book, a, a nonfiction book about sharks and, uh, yeah, went from there. Emily or not Emily. Thank you for sharing that Emily, but Lily, <laughs> what at this point when you made that illustration, were you already, thinking about picture books were you it sounds like you were thinking about children and engaging um that audience being able to break down things like that in a graphic way but were were picture books something on your mind at that point um so i was actually in college at the time and i was majoring in animation um so picture books and like writing books was something of like a distant dream um and I just really loved sharks, and I wanted to be able to explain to people why they should care about sharks the way I did. Um, <laughs> and in that process, I figured that the way to do that would be to explain to people how they would be affected if sharks disappeared. Um, and I like made these little three little infographics. I put them on my blog, which had like I think it was either 16 or 20, I don't remember the number, like 16 or 20 followers, like no one followed me. <laughs> and then they went viral uh, several times. Um, but the first time was when Emily saw them. And then she emailed me, which is my also my argument for if you're an artist listening, always sign your work and mm -hmm. have an email or something <laughs> oh, available. Of course. Mm -hmm. Because if she hadn't done that, like, 
we wouldn't be here today. And be, um, yeah, be like be um, Googleable. Yeah, yep. I say be contactable. Contactable, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I it, was, it was sort of so easy. If it had been really yeah. hard to find you, I probably would have given up. <laughs> uh, but it was like Lily Williams, and I just, you know, Lily Williams artist, and a few people came up, but it was clearly you. But like, yeah, yeah like how long can the can the allure of an image last in your brain in searching for where the source is, right? I mean, that happens mm-hmm. with us, other stuff online too, mm-hmm. trying to find the source. And when you get, I mean, I work with children all the time and we focus on research, but there is that level of when you can't find the answer you're looking for, the, the greater the frustration builds, the, the sooner you are to turn away from it. So you're right. It is, it is really important to make sure that Mm-hmm. Whatever you're posting is like <laughs> leads follow the breadcrumbs back. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'm I'm glad that you're Googleable or searchable <laughs> or contactable, Lily. That worked yeah. out. But so like you get I this know. you get this random email from someone that maybe wasn't or that I guess presumably wasn't on your radar mm-hmm. before. But what was your initial reaction then to to the idea of making a book? Um, so initially I thought her email was actually fake. No. <laughs> he did. Because I was like, uh, no one wants that from me. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, just to be sure, I'll respond. And then I did and it was real. <laughs> that... <laughs> it was real. Oh my you haven't told me that before. I, I know, because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I like worked so hard so that you wouldn't think it was fake too. Is there? <laughs> well, I mean, I just thought it was like my own self doubt. I was like, "Oh, no one wants this from me," and then and then I just kind of followed it. So I think what needs to happen, Emily, is you gotta like dig in that inbox to find this first reply back, but now read it with the voice of she thinks of like I'm a bot. fake. Yeah. <laughs> She thinks I'm well, a bot. If it no, if it helps, I my email like a lot of people had emailed me because of it. They had seen yeah. it, and like most of the requests were, "Do you sell prints of this?" Do you sell prints? Yep. Um, and so I kind of had sorted through all those emails, and yours was the only one that was like really different. And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's interesting." That's cool. That's just cool. Well, I'm glad you love science and that you posted on that blog. <laughs> And mm-hmm. that it led you here. How's how's making picture books been so far? I love it so much. What was the? I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad for that. What, what mm-hmm. was the? What was the one that you like? The idea that you led with? Like, I know sharks got published first, and, and now we have polar bears. But was that like when Emily reached out to you? Was she like, I think you should make forty thousand books, and let's go in this <laughs> order. Sign on the dotted line. I want to cheer you on forever. Yes, because that's definitely how my bosses let me run. <laughs> Emily, you have the coolest bosses ever. I'm leaving teaching I'm to work in publishing. money for advances. <laughs> you have to show us what you're signing up. I, that's often what I hear about publishing. Unlimited money for advances. Quit your job and go work in publishing. <laughs> the fire, no. yeah. Um, but when... I guess, Emily, where I'm trying to wrap my brain around this, from a person that... Um, uh, has perhaps a limited knowledge of publishing. I, I have some from interviewing people, but when you're entering at that level of, of, of starting a conversation, engaging someone in conversation just to see if interest is there, can you sort of just briefly walk me through how do you get from there to 
I want to offer you a contract to make a book? Yeah. So I think in, in Lily's case, uh, I had taken that, that, what's it called, Lily? Like the piece of art you did that I saw. Infographic? I always want to say, mm-hmm. like, infographic, yeah. Infographic. I had taken yeah. that, I want to call it a meme, and I know that's not right. I took it, <laughs> I, took it, I took it to my editorial meeting, which happens once a week. Uh, and I showed it to my colleagues and said, like, aren't these, uh, seals and sharks and fish really cute and like wouldn't this be like this is what the idea is like it, the idea didn't stray very far from what was on the original infographic and just kind of we just expanded it yeah um in the book and so it was fairly easy to pitch that way um I can't remember Lily did we did you do sample pieces before I took it to acquisitions or did I just take it on the idea I think Lily had done a really great video that's what happened well, it, it took it two is. years until you bought it. Really? Yeah. Oh, we did we work? We must have worked on that. We did. Okay. Yeah, we worked on it a lot back and forth, and then and we then did I didn't yeah. I didn't know how to write a children's book, so like I did a lot of research, and I um like went to the library and to the bookstore and like learned how to write a children's book. <laughs> um, and then I also like graduated college, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, all that job and, yeah. got a job, yeah. So yeah, I guess I didn't remember that. Like I remember working on it really hard with you, but yeah. I couldn't remember the actual like events. Um and then yeah. we bought sharks and then it was doing I, I think what had happened. I should have looked this up actually before we started talking. I think what had happened was it was doing pretty well. It had gotten like a couple of starred reviews and mm. people were really into it and I wanted to do more. So uh, I went back and, you know, we had Lily had the idea of um, polar bears, which is such a relevant subject. People are talking about that a lot. And then the one we're working on now is if elephants disappear. Elephants. Okay. From the same with, that was an infographic as well. Is that what you said? No, or no. no. Okay. Neither of those. Those were just like, you know, we're going to continue the series. Cool. Um, yeah. And what animals would work for this and what animals need that kind of spotlight on them kind of thing. I think, though, to lay on praise as well, Lily, <clears throat> it's really impressive that you had that you had processed this idea of the interconnectedness of that of that food web um, and 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 made such a strong visual representation through that infographic that someone in publishing could see it and think um, that that format, because you're, it, I know from knowing the books that that format has stayed the same, mm-hmm. uh, or largely stayed the same, that that format would also be an engaging narrative for a story. That, I think there's a lot of credit there due to you, and that mm-hmm. probably goes goes back to just your, I don't know whether it's your visual acuity or your ability to tell a story, uh, I'm glad though that that Emily saw that, and then worked with you. It sounds like over these two years to to really mine that, but also that you did your due diligence and and studied studied the craft of picture books to be able to uh, accomplish what you did because it is quite an accomplishment. From sharks to polar bears, both of them are are, are really beautifully drawn. They're really beautifully laid out, and and the story is gripping without like 
making children walk away feeling like the world is ending and it's <laughs> yeah. all their fault. I don't know how it to say that. It ends on optimism. You leave hope there. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Thank you. I really appreciate that. It, um, I, I just like, I love like researching. So when I made the infographics, like even though it was just three images, I had done so much research um, and I had read all these huge papers by scientists um, and then and then I went and reread them before I made the book. <laughs> so like it wasn't just um, just some drawing with um, like words on it. I really did a lot of research. Um, and at the time, I was like volunteering with a nonprofit about sharks um, that it's called Shark Stewards, based in San Francisco. So I'm I really love sharks. <laughs> I think that it's it's a powerful thing. I'm sure when you get out to see children that you share that with them. But I'm reminded how powerful it is to hear from an author, uh, from a storyteller, how much time and effort they put into research. And then what you distilled to put into the book, how much you researched that didn't make it into the book, but needed to be in Mm -hmm. your brain in order to uh, confidently communicate the story. I think that's a really uh, important thing that shouldn't ever be undersold. So I'm glad that, that you're sharing that now too. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know how to explain how to distill it yet. Someday I'll be able to figure (laughs) out how to put it into words to like show other people how to do it. But right now I, I have no idea. (laughs) Maybe the thing is that other people need to do it, that you can't really show people, right? Yeah, I think it's it's like a very organic kind of hands-on type of thing. Yeah, Um, it also sort of seems like that's that's why you got to pick something that you love, not something you just think is like going to sell. I guess if I'm going back to the, the writing side of it, I know that I sort of bounce back between the readers and the writers, but it you loved, I mean, you said it, you loved sharks. And so in this way, you were creating art that was giving back to that thing you loved, that was expressing that love you had. Yeah, that's what I always tell kids and and people who want to get into it, because I think the story sounds so remarkable. Like, you know, Emily found my work online, and then I like got a book deal, you know, but it was, it just stems from like, a passion about something and um, a desire to like, get people to care about it like I care about it um, which is where like all my projects stem from and now a word from our sponsors the children's book podcast is sponsored by Viz Media Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures the most popular and longest running Pokemon comic is now available digitally Visit viz.com slash Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com slash Pokemon. A special thank you to our friends at the Highlights Foundation, who host intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. The Highlights Foundation offers more than 40 workshops each year for adults interested in writing and illustrating for children and young adult audiences. The workshops are held at their beautiful retreat center in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. You can also visit their campus for an unworkshop and have your own creative retreat with cozy, private lodging and three meals a day. Come alone or bring your critique group. Be sure you're sure to feel inspired. 
Register now for Getting to Know Your Novel. Spend six weeks with the online course, then take a month to work on your novel and finish the course with a retreat at the Highlights Foundation. This online, in-person course gives you the time and teaching you need to really get to know your novel. Check out highlightsfoundation.org for details. I would love to just sit down and find out like all the things you nerd out about, but I think if I did, I'd find out <laughs> all the books it's that we <laughs> make. But that's great, though. Was science <clears throat> was science something that you were into as a kid? I mean, I know, I know that Emily's lurking on this like now defunct Facebook blog that's totally about nerding <laughs> out over science, which is awesome. So that's perfect to me. Kismet that you two are working together. But for you, Lily, has was that love of science instilled young? Um, yeah, I love science. My I come from like a family of artists, though. So oh, cool. um, my brain doesn't really like, I'm not really like a math or science, like I can't quite do it myself. But I appreciate it so much. And I love to read about it. But um, it's hard for me. So um, my art kind of just reflects my love of it. I also say I like the underdogs. So sharks are, even though they're apex predators, you know, one third to one fourth of shark species are endangered so they're the underdog and polar bears are at risk because of climate change so they're the underdog and i like the underdog (laughs) i yeah i mean it's awesome the the format i should say for those that that aren't familiar or haven't seen this infographic is is one that just you really take the time to go i mean as an educator i can tell you like you so perfectly modeled exactly the conversation we're trying to have with children, which in that way uh, really positions your book to be so invaluable in the classroom. Maybe that's what I've been trying. Why, what's, what excitement has been leading me to this conversation with you is that, that my teachers have been using it. We've been valuing this book for the format that you and Emily established. Um, This idea that if you change this one little thing, that all of these other things could be impacted. And that while it, we might think that it's great that there might be like more fish in the ocean, it actually would be negative because it would block this other thing from happening or it would cause this other effect that you might not even think about because we're so used to the environment being balanced the way yeah. it is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is such a... It seems obvious to say it now, but that's such an abstract concept. So to see mm-hmm. someone take it on in illustration and to to be able to have that beautiful format of when I turn the page, the next effect happens. It's not like on one paragraph. So this is what I'm trying to play up, I suppose. It's not like on one paragraph paragraph you're saying okay so if sharks were gone then this creature would um its population would burst and then there wouldn't be enough food so then they would die and then there would be this algae and then this would happen and da 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 you're allowing the format of the picture book to let the story take time to have a beat before we turn the page so that you can linger on that fact as long as you need to before we go to the next fact and really the way this also goes is When's it going to stop? <laughs> Lily, mm-hmm. you're leading us mm-hmm. to a place that is really scary. And that's why it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's why it's good that there's hope at the end, right? Yeah. Um, and that you leave that hope in the hands of children. 
I mean, you yeah, have. Like, I think that the hope is with them. Like they have to. That's something like I think people don't often understand. It feels like an abstract concept, but like the hope is in all of us understanding that we can do something about it. Yeah, I mean, the the if I can read an excerpt just from polar bears, it says, um, and if polar bears disappeared, it, 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 the closing shot with the kids starts the best way for young people to help is to learn everything they can about climate change and how it affects environments like the Arctic. Talking about climate change and taking action will lessen its devastating effects. But I bring that up because of the way you learned everything you could about sharks, that notion of we should be voracious about these things. Learn and learn and learn as much knowledge as we can in order to make the decision for ourselves. Because when mm-hmm. we gather that information, it allows us to have that drive to be able mm-hmm. to, to stick up for these underdogs, as you said. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, one thing I just love about... So, Lily, we worked really hard on those page turns and those kinds of things that you were talking about in the picture book structure. But I think what comes across the most was something that can't really like be taught, which... And what's so engaging about the books is you can really feel Lily's passion for the subject matter come through. And I think that I imagine that inspires uh, young readers as they're reading it. Um, it just, you know, it's it's very unadorned writing, um, unadorned. which I think, you know, in particular, especially with something as heavy as, you know, if sharks disappeared, and polar bears disappeared, um, maybe helps speak really directly to a, to a fairly young reader. And, and so without being condescending in any way, I hope. Um, and I think that must, I, I hope that inspires people. Um, and that's not something that, I mean, that's just Lily, right? Like you can just like feel that coming <laughs> off the pages of the books. I could. I mean, yeah. as you're saying, I felt like she wasn't, it wasn't so heavy handed. I'm saying she like, you're like, you're not here. Um, (laughs) it wasn't so heavy handed that I was like, whoa, this book is really moralistic. And I just feel like Mm. I need to be by myself, but rather it felt, (laughs) it felt just more like as an adult reading it and considering my, my students, it felt like, I wonder if, if they, or even I knew that it was this bad, that everything hangs in the balance this closely and that that your actions do matter that much, but the way you're sharing it felt like it felt like you cared about me, the reader and Emily, I have to assume you got that sense as well, even just from that initial infographic that Lily, the way you, you communicate just feels like, like you care not only about the thing you care about, but you care about the people you're talking to as well. Yeah. Well, also, thanks for all the compliments. (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, I really hope that comes across. I'm glad you're saying that because I I really care about, like, um, I care about, like, a lot of things. I joke that I cry a lot, um, but Mm. it's true. Like, I'm just really passionate about a lot. And I, and that includes, like, the reader listening and reading or, um, or listening to this podcast. Like, I think that there's a lot of people out there who present things in a really fatalistic way. Um, and make you feel like you have like one solution but there's so many different solutions that you can um, incorporate into your life that aren't like 
you know, like aren't either or like you can do one or the other. Um, and like everyone has an impact on mm-hmm. this world and each other. Yeah. yeah. See, it's such a simple message, but it's just like it's so powerful, I think. I think it takes a lot of skill to allow that message to come across as so simple because it makes it so attainable. So Mm -hmm. you both have a lot of skill. Emily, a lot of credit to you too. These books are, the layout is beautiful. The way that I can see that you, that you worked with Lily and that Lily listened and trusted you. I can tell you both trusted each other in the process Mm -hmm. because it just, it, it feels like a book that had more than one person behind it. It feels mm. like a group of people that care deeply about their readers, but also about making books uh, that will last, right? That won't just be uh, something that, that that is only used in, in curriculum for this very narrow scoped lesson or is mm-hmm. uh, only used for a time in libraries and then it becomes outdated and whatever you've you've made it you've made it accessible and 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 have a life that that can last for a little while well thank you yeah i think um i mean i do think you're right like there there are a lot of people that go into this i you know we have such the people that i am sort of in awe of um and lily has experienced this a little bit too is our like copy editors who sort of mm-hmm. catch everything oh. and, and sort of help shape things um, beyond what I can do. You know, if you're staring at a Word document for weeks and weeks and weeks, like at some point your brain just stops comprehending it as mm-hmm. a document <laughs> and words and human language. And so you have to send it off. And they, for every single one of the books, I think have caught um, have caught some really great, like really important things to catch. And they've I think also sort of helped make things, you know, if there were parts in the manuscript that we turned in that felt a little bit clunky, you know, how, you know, having that other perspective come in and say, what if you simplified it like this, um, made it more direct. And those are the people that are just really behind the scenes, um, working so hard and they're really good. It's like a job I could never do Mm -hmm. Uh, that attention to detail. One of the details I want to make sure you're making me uh, remember it that I want to make sure I say, uh, because I thought this was done well, but it has got to be very difficult to temper in nonfiction when considering age of readers mm-hmm. is that Lily, you use and you should use a lot of good scientific words and mm-hmm. you explain them in context. It's not as if you give a word and then assume the reader knows it or you stop and just like give definitions at the bottom of a page or rely on a glossary. You it's sort of the work I'm trying to do with, with our eight-year-old as well, that my wife and I are knowing that, like, he's listening. And so we have to make sure that the words we use are precise and are uh, accurate and are the are the words that, that he's going to learn up, right? He's ready to mm-hmm. hear bigger words and more um, words that, that hold greater context. But here in this story, you, you've got those scientific words um, – but again, the the text it just it just is managed in a really great way. I can't, Lily, you came into this world or this conversation at least with this illustration background and making infographics and nerding out over science, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then 
you know, Emily found you and was like, you should make picture books. And that I think, I hope it looks as if you can, you, you can see that it was sort of maybe a bit of a, a calling for you because it just, the format works so well for you. I'm going to tell you, I think that when you go out into those school visits, um, you should embrace that role you have as a teacher as well, because you have a voice that not everyone has to be in front of children, to be imparting this knowledge um, and so from one teacher to one person out in front of my children, um, I, I, I want to say that I, I think with these books too, what comes across to me is how much we, how, how easy it is to trust your authority and also, um, your, uh, effectiveness at inspiring and engaging these children when you're in front of them, because your book does that, it does it really well. Thank you. And now a brief word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at www.storytelleracademy.com slash wonder. Or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. I think that people tend to like um, discredit kids as like being their own people and like wanting to know big topics. Um, like I just kids can really understand a lot of huge words and they want to and they also want to make an impact on this world usually. So I I feel like it does a disservice to d- like not um, pay attention to that. You got a good head on your shoulders, buddy. <laughs> you just have a, there are people that don't think that way <laughs> and here you are however many Maybe years I out have... of college that you're saying but you <laughs> but you're there you weren't you weren't in college to work with like i don't know like six seven eight year olds but you respect them that's instilled in you so kudos to your parents or the individuals in your life or your experiences that help to shape that i'm right in the middle of banned books week and i'm talking to children about people preventing people deciding for them what they should or shouldn't be learning about and when we talk about you and i were talking or all three of us were talking about harry potter before recording and that is you know often challenged because of uh, because of its confrontation, perhaps, of, of religious beliefs versus magic. And we talk about <laughs> Captain Underpants, which is uh, confronting, like, whether or not social norms, like, uh, <laughs> behaving and treating each other this way are okay, where there's a book when we're, like, being inappropriate and joking and whatever. Is it okay for children to read them? Are they going to grow up okay, even if they read about <laughs> burping and farting and whatever? <laughs> of course they are. But yeah. also, they're going to grow up better. But also, yeah. not, yes. But also, in banned books, we were reading books that center stories with 
LGBT characters and experiences. And that is something that children, that, that, that adults often try to quote unquote protect children from. They're too young to learn about this or be exposed to this or whatever. Adults are deciding for children. What, what line I'm trying to make the connection here too, though, is like with identity, sometimes we think not scientific knowledge is also something that kids aren't ready for, aren't ready to talk about. And that just isn't the case. We can respect children. And I'm grateful that we have literature and editors and authors and illustrators behind it that respect children because, because we need it, Lily, because we need it, Emily, Mm -hmm. and you're, you're helping to do it. So I guess you're also catching me at a sentimental time that I just am feeling (laughs) ultra grateful for the work that you and others are doing to help make sure that these specific conversations are happening with your specific readers. Oh yeah. I, I love a good taboo topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The polar bears matter. Picture the mm-hmm. polar bears on the little mm-hmm. um, blocks of ice that are all melting around them and how much further they have to go to get to another ice block or else everything changes. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing you're doing. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I, I want to make sure I honor our time and I want to wrap up by bringing us back to the readers. We've been so centered on readers all along though, that I'm afraid I may have missed something about this book. Is there anything Emily or Lily that we didn't mention about if polar bears disappeared or any of the books in this series that you want to make sure that these listeners here um, before we go, is there anything that I didn't ask that we, you want to make sure we know? Well, my, my favorite thing about these, these three books. So if sharks disappeared, if polar bears disappeared, and then the one we're working on now, if elephants disappeared is that each book looks at a different type of animal in a different ecosystem. So with sharks, you have apex predators, uh, whose main threat is humans. With polar bears, yes, you technically have an apex predator, but what's really the threat there is climate change, which is also human-caused, obviously. But, like, um, it just it feels like a completely different thing. And then with elephants, they're not apex predators. They're keystone species, which is... Mm-hmm. I learned so much from Lily Williams. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think... Uh, you know, it kind of goes like the overall sense that you get that I we hope you get reading just one of these books that everything is connected. So, you know, sharks are connected to elephants. They're two books apart from each other and they're in completely different ecosystems. Um, but all that balance is still really necessary. Um, and it's sort of, I think, kind of the same message over and over again in a different way um, that we hope, I think, gets people's attention. Um and I also want to say I'm really glad that I love hearing about people's experience reading these books with kids because mm-hmm. as an editor, I, you know, Lily goes and does school visits and I love hearing about that when she does that. Um, and I have like no contact with children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just makes me so happy to see the books being utilized. You know, you can be in your weird intellectual box when you're making it for two years and then it goes out into the world and you sort of don't have a hold on it anymore. Um, so it's really nice to hear stories 
about actual kids relating to the books. Well, if you're ever in the Baltimore area, Emily, you can come by and see actual teachers reading this actual book to actual kids and their actual reactions <laughs> because because it's awesome. I my job is like infinitely better because I get to work with these beautiful books that people make and I get to see the reactions firsthand. So I'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity to share some of those stories with you and with you as well, Lily, because I think it's important that you hear them because I think in a small part, maybe that helps you keep making them. (laughs) I want you to keep making them. Lily, anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we know? Um, Other than, um, no, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to say, I always tell people to make sure to read the back matter because Mm. um, when I read it, like I don't read the back matter because it's long. Um, And also I think it it touches people in their own personal way um, and they can take away whatever they want from it. But something that I think is really important, especially with polar bears, is that um, it's a a thing that seems so far away. Like these issues seem like, oh, well, we can't see them happening. They're just like distant, but they're actually really real and they're happening um, for like sharks, we see the red tide happening in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and with polar bears, it might not be necessarily at our doorstep, but it's at the doorstep of people who live in the Arctic Circle and it's disrupting their way of life. So it's kind of like a, I guess you have to think about these things as um, thinking about the other people on the other sides of the world or in other places who are directly affected by this happening to them. Um, so I would just say read the back matter because both of them include things you can do, mm-hmm. um, and how you can help save these animals or save our planet. Um, and then, and then if anyone who's listening wants a way to write to your government representative, I have templates on my website. Emily, um, we wait before I say that, hold on, Lily. Yes. <laughs> one, I read the back matter. You, you, it it's so powerful, but I did not know about the the writing. I have not looked up the the writing to your government officials, but I want to say that that is something as I've grown up that has always felt. We talked about abstract concepts that has always felt abstract to me. So providing those resources to help make it mm-hmm. easy, direct. I I want to say to you on record that I want to challenge myself to do that because I think by doing it, it will make it easier to do it again and to realize that is a, uh, a a line of communication that is not only open to me, but is one I, I should be using regularly and responsibly. And to do that alongside my students, I think it's a really special thing that uh, you're, you're providing that support for, uh, for educators. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, you're, mm-hmm. you're continuing to work with Lily. Right. Yes. You're going to keep working with her. So lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Lily, I almost interrupted you before because as you know, I'm just like giddy that you're working on a graphic novel and it's not mm-hmm. going to be out for another two years or something. So just come back and we'll talk about it then. But okay, do cool. you want to give people but... like a little, can you give people a little hint about it or are we not talking about it? It's okay. Emily, you go. <laughs> I was going to say when you said earlier that you, you don't shy away from controversial topics. Like this is, <laughs> You know, it's a it's a graphic novel fiction about four best friends and also very heavily about menstruation. Uh, called "Go with the Flow," and Ooh, it's hilarious and named. poignant. Well done. <laughs> um, it's it's hilarious and poignant. And Lily and her co-author Karen worked so hard on it. Um, and I think Lily's sort of in the middle. I think I know Lily's in the middle of final art. 
Oh yeah, um, right so. in the middle. <laughs> so we're we're moving towards towards it, and yeah, I think you know it's Lily's first graphic novel. It's the first one I've ever edited, so it was really fun, kind of going through this learning process with her. Yes. Um, I felt a little bit of a little less pressure because I feel like I could just be like, I don't know, let's figure this mm-hmm. out, and um, and that was a really really nice relaxing experience. Awesome. And yeah, I think I felt the really same. Congratulations, Lily. That's awesome. Awesome that that you went on that new adventure of working in that format, and it sounds like things are things are moving along the way they're supposed to. Uh, I can't wait to read it, and I'm glad that. I mean, once again, I'm just glad that there are books about topics that aren't already in the library that haven't been over talked about, but rather that that are gonna be the books that that means so much to ch- no pressure but they're gonna mean <laughs> so much to readers it's just wonderful all I'm on grateful. your shoulders Lily. <laughs> grateful 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 um let's go back let's go back to these kids uh emily i'm gonna start with you and lily i'll, I'll ask you a second emily i'm gonna see a library full of children tomorrow if you can picture it i'll see a library full of children tomorrow is there a message that i can bring to them from you from an editor i would say as an editor now, a grown-up editor. As a kid, I was not a reader. Um, I didn't like reading because I didn't like the books that were handed to me. Um, But when I started reading things that I actually did like, uh, I fell in love with reading, but specifically those things. Um, So whether it's fan fiction, comics, novels, Jane Austen, you know, read whatever you like and don't let anyone tell you not to, um, because that's really what's going to make you happy and and don't let people tell you you're not really a reader they just didn't know what to give you oh, i love that <laughs> emily. emily wow thank you emily lily i'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message i can bring to them from you um yes i would tell them that if they believe in something or they love something, they can use their voice or their talents to make a positive change and to embrace their interests because you never know where they're gonna take you. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, 
Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash matthewcwinner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.